0: Hello, and I want to say hello to the Brentwood campus as we start a brand new series called Gospel Imagineers, and I'm just um, so glad that as we begin a new series, we've come up with a really creative title, and you may be wondering, where did we get that from? Maybe some of you know, and others of you are going to find out. Um, Let me ask you, have you ever been to Disney World? If you've ever been to Disney World, raise your hand. This just shows you how middle class we truly are. Okay, so we're somewhat middle class. Okay. Okay. Okay, how many of you would like to go to Disney World? All right, be honest, come on. If you'd like to go to Disney World, okay, Alan apparently doesn't want to go to Disney World. That's okay. That's okay. Um, Oh, by the way, that's Alan Phillips, for those of you at Brentwood Campus. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Well, um, you know, actually it was on the generosity of uh, of, of the church family here that a number of years ago when we were celebrating one of my anniversaries here, um, you uh, gave us a trip. I think that was 15 years. I think it was our 15th anniversary. It was 20. It was 20. Thank you, Wes. Wes when Can we go to the slide there that shows us? Yep, there there we are uh, at the, um, you know, there, there, there's all our kids. i got to admit, that was the craziest week I ever had in my life. That was just fun, fun, fun. Um, and actually, speaking of fun, I remember um, uh, I, I always love um, seeing anything that kind of shows you why something came into existence. And actually, um, if you go to the Magic Kingdom theme park, I mean, they have n- numerous parks, but when you go to the Magic theme, uh, theme uh, park, Kingdom theme park, let's go to this, you see what's called the Partner's Statue, okay? This is the Partner's Statue. And, and again, I was fascinated to read what was on the Partner's Statue. And this, is, this was a quote from Walt Disney, He's the tall guy standing there holding Mickey Mouse's hand. Um, we believe, he goes, we believe in our idea. And here's his idea. A family park where parents and children could have fun together. That, and that was the essence of his vision. Can you imagine saying, okay, whatever we do, we want to create a place where family and children, parents and children can have fun together. And that's certainly, I'll tell you, we certainly did that. And um, it was out of Walt Disney's imagination that Walt Disney World, uh, Disneyland, the Walt Disney Empire uh, has come to be now. And yet, here's the thing, just having an, a great idea isn't enough, is it? You've got to turn ideas into reality. And uh, I want to welcome you that when you go on and ask who builds all of what you see there, like you see that beautiful... Uh, Magic Kingdom Castle behind there. I think it was that Cinderella Castle or something like that. Yeah, Cinderella, look at that. For those of you, look, oh, you Walt Disneyites. Um, but, but the Cinderella Castle, I mean, who builds all of this? Well, actually, they have a very specific name at the Walt Disney World, and they're called Imagineers. Imagineers. That's what they're called, actually. And, and it's such a great phrase because what, Walt, what the Walt Disney Corporation is trying to remind all these people who build everything and design everything and create everything, which is incredible, is that they go, dream up the wildest ideas, but then make them happen, engineer them, construct them, build them. And hence, you have, if, when you can do that, you have become an imagineer. Well, you know, when I, when I stop and I think about this, um, uh, you know, I start to realize how important imagination is. I mean, imagination, because of Walt Disney's imagination, millions upon millions of people, in fact, you could argue hundreds of millions of people have been affected by Walt Disney's imagination. Um, a great life has to be rooted in imagining, really. I, nothing is, I mean, when you talk to an eight-year-old boy or girl, Right? And you say, what do you want to be? They have a great imagination. They want to be a great doctor. They want to be a scientist. They want to be the next Sidney Crosby hockey player. They want to do something great. They want to be a great Olympic athlete. Or they want to be a great musician. You know, I mean, none of them say, well, as long as I don't have anything too challenging, I just kind of want to get through life. But something happens when we get older, right? Because you start hearing that. Well, I just want to get through Just want to survive another week, living for the weekend. Oh, man, where is the imagination gone? But you see, not only is imagination important, but the real challenge is, we're reminded here with the Walt Disney example, is that you can't just imagine. You have to make it happen, right? Um, You have to be able to turn those ideas and dreams into reality. And therefore, I believe a great life isn't just imagining. I believe a great life well-lived just doesn't happen because we dream about it. It requires intentional effort. It requires training. It requires building. It requires construction. In other other words, we need to be imagineers ourselves around our own lives. So let me ask you this. What is your idea for your life? What's your vision for your life? Are you glad? Here's a, here's a powerful spiritual question, actually. Are you glad what you are becoming right now? Are you becoming what you believe God wants you to become? What does God want you to become? What shapes your vision for life? Is it just the American dream of success and comfort? Is that it? Are you being shaped by God's kingdom? You know, this is where I got thinking about Imagineers in relationship with our faith. Think about this. If we were really to grasp all who Jesus is and really grasp all that He's done for us, and that's called the good news, by the way, that's the gospel, could we start to imagine what God wants to do in our lives? Could we start to imagine what our lives would look like if every aspect of our life was built and engineered around the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, in the New Testament, in Mark uh, chapter 2, verse 14, uh, Jesus gives a, starts to give an invitation to people to come and follow me. Um, he invites Levi to come and follow me. And he invited other disciples to come and follow me. And I wonder if they, on that day, and they were all basically young men, you know, probably... Really, the ages of Nathaniel and Jonathan. And Jesus says, come follow me. And did they realize how their lives are going to be turned right side up? Did they realize how God was going to work in them and through them in the coming years and decades? And even though that they would suffer, they would also know great joy. And they would experience God in a way that few others would understand. And yet, through their lives, the early church would start, and through them, Christianity would start to roll down throughout the centuries to now where we are today. Could they imagine what they were going to experience when they said yes to Jesus' invitation? You know, the call in this series is this, I want us to become gospel imagineers, because when you and I say yes to Jesus' call, ourselves, when he says, come follow me, then he's inviting you to be a gospel imagineer. He's inviting you to start to imagine what would it mean to let your life be completely constructed and built around the good news of Christ. And that's what I want us to explore in these four weeks. So this is my long pre-setup for the whole series, Okay. I want us to think about what does it mean to be a gospel imagineer? Now, as we think about this, there's four key roles we're going to look at. And the first role we're going to look at today in this series is if we're going to be a gospel imagineer, it means being an apprentice, an apprentice of Jesus. Now, when I got thinking about apprentice, I got thinking about what would be a good illustration of apprentice. And I got thinking about Daniel and Mr. Miyagi in The Karate Kid. Let's watch a clip from this.
1: Oh, Mr. Miyagi, I forgot to give this back to you last night. no, you keep. Oh, thanks a lot. Sir, ready? Yeah, I guess so. Daniel-san must talk. Walk on the road. Hmm? Walk right side. Walk left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get the squish, just like grip. Here, karate, same thing. Either you karate do yes, or karate do no. You karate do guess so, just like grip. Understand?
2: Yeah, I understand. Now ready? Ready? Yeah,
1: I'm ready. Yes. Must make sacred pact. I promise teach karate that my part. You promise learn. I say you do. No question that your part. Deal? Still? Yes. First, wash all the car, then wax. wax. What do I have to wash? Go- Remember, dear, no question. Yeah, but Light. I. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, wax off. Breathe in through nose, out the mouth. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. Hey, where these guys come from? Wax on. Detroit! Wax off. Wax on.
0: Wax. On. So there is an example of an apprentice and master. Did you catch the secret pack? I promised to teach karate. That my part. You promised learn. I say you do, no question, deal? <laughs> but that's, that is a great example, right? He wanted to learn karate, he needed to learn it from someone who knew karate. You know, when you stop and think about it, if we're, if, for those of you who are learning the trades, like if someone's going to be a carpenter, they can go to school for a while and read some books and, and, and whatnot, but guess what? They eventually have to go and be apprenticed by a master carpenter. And, and sometimes uh, the, the activity that master carpenter will get that apprentice to do will seem very menial at first, right? In fact, doesn't even make sense. You know, just carry lumber, carry lumber. And, uh, but while they're carrying the lumber, the, carp- the apprentice carpenter learns, starts watching the master carpenter, how they build walls and how they put roofs together and how they put joints together. And eventually now they're ready to take the next step. I mean, it applies to, to music. We have some musicians here. I think of Becca here, you know. She's now going to learn from a master musician, and the master musician is going to say, do this, no questions asked, deal? And Becca will say yes. I mean, it goes on and on that way. We, in fact, I would argue that this, this idea of apprentice and master teacher is a very ancient idea, It goes back to rabbinic times. I think it goes back even further than that. It's an ancient practice that's still used today in modern times. We understand that fundamentally, that that if we're going to learn and become what we need to be, what we aspire to want to be, we need to have someone who will speak into us as a master teacher and teach us. Now, now I want to apply this then. How does this apply to our journey of becoming a Christian and living out the Christian life? Well, I want us to listen to a, a passage that Paul says in Philippians 2. And, and, and I'm just pulling out one key phrase in the context of, of how Paul's talking about how to live for Christ. Listen to what he says, though. He just simply says this. We are called to have the mindset of Christ Jesus. It's in <laughs> Philippians 2.5. As you read... The further, the wider context of it, he is showing us how what Jesus did. He he considered being equal with God, not something to be grasped, he gave his life, and we're called to have that very mindset of Christ. Now let me ask you this. Do you have the mindset of Christ in everything? I mean, it almost sounds crazy, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus said things like, pray for your enemies. Jesus said things like, turn the other cheek. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Are you crazy? And yet Paul says, the call of the Christian life is that we have the very mindset of Jesus in everything. Now, does your vision for your life include that, to have the very mindset of Jesus? You know, can you imagine if I you know, took this wall here and covered up all the windows and said, let's paint big words on it, this, so that everybody can read it every time they come in here. And we'd say this, we promise to teach all who seriously commit themselves to Jesus how to do everything he said to do. Can you imagine if we had that as our motto for the church? We promise to teach all those who seriously commit themselves to Jesus to teach you all how to do everything he said to do. You know, I think a lot of us have a little game going on in our faith with Jesus. We go, I'm glad I'm forgiven. I'll take care of the rest of my life, Lord. Boy, I'm glad I got my ticket to heaven. But as the rest of my life, as far as money, sex, my friendships, my career, how I party, how I don't party what I watch, what I think, what I do, how I live as a citizen in this country. You know what? I'll just manage that all myself, thank you very much. But boy, I'm glad I'm forgiven. And so we have this, what we call this sort of conversion discipleship where we're just glad we're forgiven, we're going to heaven, and we've reduced the gospel of Jesus to that as though we, he just gives us the minimal entry requirements into the pearly gates. God, forgive us if we think that's what the gospel of Jesus is. See, the gospel of Jesus is that we would have the very mindset of Christ. Um, You know, I think that when I say most Christians do not have this vision, I would say that they're like what C.S. Lewis says. Our problem is I think we're like children who have settled playing in a mud puddle when if we were willing to take the journey of walking just down the street and then walking through a path, we discover there's a fantastic beach and a mighty ocean to engage with. But instead, we're content to play with the puddle and say, that's my Christian life. That's what the gospel is. So let me ask you this. How do we learn to have the mindset of Christ? How do we learn to become what He is so that what He did and said becomes a natural expression of who we are in Him? Well, as I said, if we are going to imagine our life like this, we need to become apprentices of Jesus. And so let's grasp what that means. I want to just let us look at three things. First of all, we need, to be an, we need to be apprentices, need a master teacher. Apprentices need a master teacher. Let me put this plainly. Jesus is your savior, right? He died on the cross for your sins. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, right? He, he went to Golgotha. He died on the hill called Calvary. I cling to the old rugged cross. Praise God that Jesus is my Savior. I mean, that is fundamental to our Christian faith. But listen, Jesus is not just your Savior. He is also your master. And as your master, he wants to teach you what it means to live in his kingdom community. He wants to get you ready so you're comfortable living in heaven. Um, So let me ask you this. Each and every day in your faith with God, Do you look to Jesus as your teacher? Not just as your savior, as your teacher. When Jesus said, in fact, here's one of our core verses that talks about the mission of our church. We say that Jesus says to the church today, go make disciples. And disciples is one of those religious words that we go, what does that mean, disciples, disciples, right? Well, when you look at the root meaning of that word, It it means to make learners, to make apprentices of Jesus so that people will follow and learn the way of Christ. So when Jesus says, go make disciples in all the world, he's saying, go make learners, apprentices of me so people will learn of me and follow my way. So how does that happen? How does Jesus teach us? Well, here's on your outline, I just want to unpack that statement that we have there. Jesus is our teacher through the Spirit and the Word in the context of the church. Let me unpack it just this way for you. The Spirit of God places us in the presence of Christ. So that when, now I can say I'm with Jesus so I can learn to be like Jesus. The Word of God shows us the way of Christ. When I go, how did Jesus live? What does Jesus want me to do? I can read his words in the Bible. I can read of his way, and I can say, wait, the way of Christ here is seen not just in the Gospels, but from Genesis to Revelation. I look for Jesus everywhere. And also when we say that um, uh, it's done in the context of the church, this is where we say the church is where we get to live out the life of Christ. When Jesus says love one another, guess where he wants us to love first? He wants us to love one another. Right? And so if I'm going to learn the way of Christ, I've got to learn to love my forever family, who I'm going to be with for all eternity. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's frustrating. Right? So again, how does Jesus teach us? Jesus teaches us through the Spirit and the Word and the context of the church. So let me ask you this. Will you trust and obey Jesus as your teacher? Will you seek to do the will of Christ? Will you humble yourself and let Jesus teach you? This brings us to the second point of what an apprentice is. An apprentice needs a master teacher. Apprentice also needs practice, right? Um, You know, when a person takes to learning from a master teacher, there will be tried and true activities that one will need to practice over and over. What did did Mr. Miyagi want Daniel to do in this, this one? Wax on, wax off, and we all know. For those of you who watch the movie, how that plays later on. But he wanted him to get into a discipline of learning to move his hands in certain ways, which was a karate move, apparently. Wax on, wax off. Well, that applies though. L- look, if I said to Becca, Becca, I want to become a great piano player, she'd say, Dave, get ready to do lots of scales. Right. If, if someone, if I went and said, I want to be a great hockey player, they go, you're too old. Okay? But if they said that, they, they go, okay, well, Dave, put the skates on and, and hit the ice and start skating drills, learning to skate well. When do I get the hockey stick? Not now. Wax on, wax off. Right? If someone said, oh, I want to be a great tennis player. Like Roger Federer, who's now sinking like everything. He's getting too old. But like Roger Federer, he, he, I, you know what? I played a lot of tennis when I was young. I'd say, you know what? Hit the, hit the wall. Learn those strokes. Learn those strokes. I mean, we all know that there's disciplined activities in order to be able to come, become something that we want to aspire to be, right? Well, guess what? If we are going to learn to have the mindset of Christ, there are disciplined activities that we need to train at. There are spiritual activities, there are spiritual disciplines that we need to be diligent about and and put effort into. And please understand something, there's a difference here, because I know some of you are saying, well, no, 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 Uh, there's nothing I can do to gain my salvation, right? You know, salvation's a free gift, there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. Please understand, there's a difference in our Christian life between earning and effort. God never calls us to earn His favor with Him, but He does call us to put effort into our walk with Him. It is not passive. So what does that mean? Um, I think of what Paul says in in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, um, he talks about going into strict training, even beating one's body to make it a slave. As any great athlete knows, training certainly involves a substantial amount of effort. Paul calls us to follow his example as he follows Christ. So therefore, there are spiritual disciplines that we need to do. But please understand, putting your effort into spiritual disciplines will achieve very little. They only, what they actually do is they open us up to God's grace working in us. So what are some spiritual disciplines? What are are some of those wax on, wax off uh, disciplines that we need to do in our Christian walk so that we have the mindset of Christ? Well, let me just highlight a few. Let's think about our five purposes of our church. Um, We're supposed to worship God. So what are some spiritual disciplines around worship? Well, have you practiced silence before God on a regular basis? Do you practice having times of solitude before God? Do you practice um, regular worship where you offer thanksgiving and praise to God to turn your mind towards Him and think about who He is? Do you think about singing praise to God So that not just your head, but your heart's engaged. There are some disciplines there that you need to work on. How about serving? We talk about that serving is one of the main purposes of God's church. Well, what are some practices there? How about serving in a position that humbles you? Something that you consider below you? How about um, walking into your church and saying once in a while, is there anything I can do to Help. Whoa. That's a discipline. What if you said, I'll ask that question 10 times this year? Is there anything? Actually, let's say that with me. Is there anything I can do to help? Whoa. But that's a spiritual discipline because you're humbling yourself. Um, how how about the, the, in the purpose of growth, we're called to grow in our faith. What are some spiritual disciplines around that? How about meditation? How about study? How about having conversations about God and his ways in this world? And here's the other one. We talk about the other purpose of belonging. How about saying, I'm going to take time this year to learn to be a member of the body of Christ, to learn to love the church, not like a customer of a store, but as a member of God's family. How about the purpose of sharing our faith? We're we're, we're going to this year say, Lord, help me just practice the disciplines of, of knowing how to share the hope that's within me so those who are far from God can hear about the hope that's in Christ. My point is this, there are multiple disciplines that we are called to do in our walk with God that we can, that opens us up to God working in our hearts and helping us have the mindset of Christ. Well, that moves us to our third point. Not only do apprentices need a master teacher, not only do apprentices need to practice, but also we are all apprentices. Apprentices. And you know what? That's kind of freeing when all of a sudden I walk into a church family like this and realize that one of the calls in our life as I know Christ and as you know Christ is that we're all apprentices. You know what that means? It means three things. First of all, we all make mistakes. You know, when you're dealing with a master carpenter, you don't expect mistakes. When all of a sudden you go, who's that? Oh, that's our apprentice carpenter. You expect mistakes. And it's okay. When you have an apprentice musician, mistakes. When you have an apprentice person, like a newbie, learning a skill, mistakes, guess what? As we follow Christ, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to step out of the boat and walk on water for about 10 steps and then sink. We're all at times going to fail. We're all at times going to blow it. We're going to hurt one another. We're going to sin. We're going to deny. We're going to... We're just going to make mistakes. And how come we are so hard on each other when we make mistakes? Why can't we say we're all learning the way of Christ to have the mindset of Christ? We're apprentices. I don't know about you, but that just cuts us a lot of slack. But, the, but that's, the, that's the grace side of apprentice. Here's, here's the hard side, though, of apprentice. When, a, when an apprentice carpenter, or even let's go back to Daniel's son there and Mr. Miyagi, you know, when, if you watch the further on that clip, he was in there late at night still doing the wax on, but now instead of doing this, he was doing this. And Mr. Miyagi went, no, Daniel's son, wax on, wax off. He corrected Daniel. You know what that also means? It means as apprentices, we're called to have feedback. We're supposed to speak into each other's lives. We're supposed to encourage, but we're also supposed to say, is that what you're doing right now? Is that what you want to become? Do you believe that's what God wants you to become? Do you believe that's what Christ would want us to do right now? Do you believe that that's what Christ would want you to do right now? Is that what the Word of God is saying for us to do right now? Let's wrestle with that. How dare you speak into my life? We are apprentices, and we will make mistakes, but we also are open to feedback. That is the goal of an apprentice. Um, and here's the other part, though, right? We apprentice one another. Um, I, I can't help but think that, that as we understand this, listen, ultimately Jesus is our, our master apprentice who is going to make us have transformation in our lives. We're going to move from being an old creature to a brand new creature. We are going to move from an old mindset to a new mindset. How do we do that? Jesus transforms us. But listen, as we apprentice one another, we can help each other in our own spiritual formation. And that just gets exciting as we apprentice. And that's why the Bible, all throughout the scriptures there in the New Testament, as it describes the early church, it says, older women teach the younger women. Older men Teach the younger men. Um, Encourage one another. Speak truth into one another. Confess your sins to each other. In essence, what the Bible tells the Christian community to do over and over again is that we need to be speaking into each other's lives. We need to be apprenticing each other so we can learn to have the mindset of Christ, so that our lives are radically changed. You know, as I think all about this, I just think then how would our vision for life change when we have this mindset of Christ? How would this whole community live differently? I mean, let's just quickly consider the 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 following. Um, if if I had the mindset of Christ, how would I handle my money? If I were out of control in my spending and full greed, what would it be like to be content and free to be generous with what I have because I have the mindset of Christ? Um, Let's talk about sex. If I were a slave to lust, what would would it be like to have the mindset of Christ where I'm uninterested in lustful fantasies and rather be intimate with others without lust? What about prayerfulness? Prayerfulness. If I were going through my days without much of God's presence and partnering, what would it look like to have the mind of Christ where, like Jesus, I know God's voice and I sense his mind on things and I I know that he's with me and he's like a best friend sitting beside me, ready to engage me at a moment's notice? What about anger? If I were angry and controlling What would it look like to put on the mind of Christ where now I put away anger quickly and I trust others and I trust God for the outcomes rather than trying to manipulate things or people to meet my idea of what is best? What about fear or worry? If I were living in fear or worry about some matter, what would it be like to have the mindset of Christ where I now trust God's provision for that area and be peaceful no matter what's happening? What about hatred for an enemy? If I were in the grasp of contempt for someone at work, a workmate, a client, a customer, a member of my church, a family, a neighbor? What would it be like to be able to bless and pray for that person instead? Because now I have the mindset of Christ. Listen, having the mindset of Christ will change our lives. And that's the goal of the gospel, that we are transformed. We are changed. We are conformed to the image of Jesus. this time, I'm now going to call our worship team to come up as we come to the close of this message. And um, I'm going to pass this off to Pastor Carolyn now as she does this last few moments for our ministry time. As the team comes up, I just, I'm hoping that God's speaking to you right now You know, what struck me when I watched, I I, I love Karate Kid. I watched it when I first saw it come out and I watched it with my kids every once in a while and... Well, once, (laughs) maybe once in a while. Okay, maybe more than that, but anyway. but, But the thing is, the thing that struck me about that deal that Mr. Miyagi made with Daniel, it really came down to this. He was saying, if you really wanna learn karate, you know, you've got to make a decision. And what the real decision you have to make is this, Daniel. Will you trust me and will you obey me? Right? You learn karate. I teach you it. No questions asked. And I can't help but think sometimes that we say to Jesus, Jesus, I, I, I want to know your way. And Jesus says, okay, you've got to trust and obey me. You're the apprentice, I'm the master, I'm the teacher. Will you trust and obey me? So, what I wanna do is, we're just gonna have the worship team take a moment, we're not gonna ask you to stand, we're just gonna ask you to stay, you know, sitting, but we wanna really make this your own moment. Don't think about anybody else, don't think about the person next to you, don't think about the person behind you, don't think about who should be here, hearing this message. Think about you, your walk with Christ, where Jesus wants to change you, Where he wants to keep apprenticing you in his ways. What area, what's one specific area that Jesus wants to bring to your mind right now where you need to learn to trust and obey him? For some of you, Jesus may be saying, you're going awful fast. Can you learn to stop once in a while every week and get quiet? Really stop. And don't just give me a a quick how, how do you do, but spend some time with me. Praying being quiet, listening. For others of you, Jesus may be saying, you've got to learn to cast your cares upon me. You've been carrying a whole bucket of them this week, and you're weary. Can you cast them on me and trust that God works all things together for good? And every time you feel worry laying on your heart, just cast it. For others of you, you know that you've got to make it right with someone in a relationship. But Jesus says, just as I've forgiven you, you've got to forgive others. And you've got to go and say, I've got to extend that forgiveness to that person and seek reconciliation with them just the way Jesus sought reconciliation with me. And Jesus is saying, it's time to do that. It's hard. It's going to be chaos. But you've got to reach out and do it. Will you trust and obey me in that way? Will you learn of my ways? So we're just going to let our worship team sing and... Let's just make this a quiet moment where you say, Lord, where do I need to trust and obey you?
2: He abides with us still And with all who will Trust and obey Trust and obey For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus But to trust and and obey. trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey
0: Jesus, we have to face the fact that in many areas of life, we just do not want to or intend to become what each of us should become in you. If we're honest, Lord, we've become too used to what we've become. We're content to stay where we are. But Lord Jesus, we want to hear your words where you have said, Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Lord, We are tired of just trying to live for you. For some of us, we're now filled with guilt or shame. For others of us, we've just become angry and judgmental. But Lord, we now ask that you will be our teacher. We will become your apprentice. And we will learn of your ways. And you will train us in the ways of righteousness. So that Lord... We will truly have the mindset of Christ. We pray these things in your name. Amen.